I have respect for beer. Welcome to Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantine Enema, the only podcast where we don't know how to say the name of the show. My name is Connor Sullivan. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we did it, guys. We got to the end of another week. It is Friday, May 8th. It is Ocho de Mayo. And uh, I don't know, I don't even know how many weeks it's been, uh, but good news today. Uh, apparently, Massachusetts is uh, going to start opening up some golf courses. Great. That is something to do. I can't wait. I'm sure tea times are already booked for the next two months, but that's okay. Something to look forward to. That's really all we can do <laughs> in times like this. I uh, hope everyone is doing well out there. Remember to wear your masks. I feel like we're getting near the end of all this shit. Um, so it'd be a real shame if uh, something were to happen and you know the numbers would start to spike up again. That would really suck. Uh, but you know what doesn't suck is the movie that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about A Beautiful Mind from 2001. Uh, it's a Best Picture winner directed by Ron Howard and stars Russell Crowe back when he was uh, in his prime. And, I, you know, I hadn't watched this movie in a couple of years. Uh, I maybe, maybe four or five years, and I forgot how good it was. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't really looking forward to watching this one, uh, A Beautiful Mind. It's just kind of a more depressing goodwill hunting, uh, in my opinion. Uh, if Well, when it comes to mental health and math, uh, that is. But, uh, no, I you know, I really wasn't looking looking forward to watching this i'm not sure why like i like i like ron howard i like russell crowe i've said it before russell crowe is one of my favorite actors during this time he was my favorite actor i I wasn't really amped up to see this one i don't know what it was maybe it just kind of gets sandwiched in between a couple other movies i was really excited about like the last episode batman begins that was awesome uh that was one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far uh our next episode is going to be beer fest that's that's my top three for funniest movies of all time and then this one just kind of gets like stuck in there um but no i i i was pleasantly surprised by how much i still enjoyed it uh also watched it with brenna and it was the first time she saw it and she really liked it which was cool uh it's it's one of those movies like when you're watching it there's uh if you've seen it before you know that uh a lot of things in the first half of the movie or so are uh delusions that Russell Crowe's character, John Nash, is having. And it's kind of cool, like, knowing that and then watching it with someone who doesn't know that. And they're just like, oh, where's this going? What's this about? Blah, 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 blah. And then once everything starts playing out, they're just like, oh, shit, this is (laughs) not what I thought it was. Uh, So that was always uh, really cool to me. It's also cool to look back at the cast. Uh, Pretty big cast, actually, and I forgot exactly how many big names were in it. Uh, Well, recognizable faces, I should say. Obviously, there's Russell Crowe. Jennifer Connelly won an Oscar. Uh, for this, and without looking at our IMDb page, I I feel bad, but I honestly can't name... No, I take that back. Blood Diamond. Uh, Blood, so I was going to say I can't name another Jennifer Connelly movie, but uh, Blood Diamond just came to mind. Uh, it's also got Ed Harris. Uh, I've been watching Westworld uh, lately, and it's one of those shows where it's like, I, I'm not enjoying it, but I, I keep watching it because I know how good it can be. The first season of Westworld is one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. Um, and I rewatched it leading up to this current season and it still holds up. It's still just as good. I uh, fucking love it. Second season took a bit of a, it took a bit of a dip, but you know, tough expectations to live up to. Uh, and this third season, I just have no idea what the fuck they're doing, but, uh, because that first season was so good, I'm still, I still feel obligated to watch hoping that something eventually is going to happen, but, uh, they are, 
really, really testing my patience. But Ed Harris is still great in that show. I uh, wish they'd go back more to what he was doing in the first season. Uh, it's also got another Academy Award winner, Christopher Plummer, is in it, and Paul Bettany, a very young uh, Paul Bettany is in it. Paul Bettany is, let's look this up. So Paul Bettany was born in 1971. That means he would have been around 30. Yeah, he would have been around 30 at the time that they were actually making this movie. And so that means he that means he's like 50. Yeah, he's like yeah, he's like 50 right now, uh, or about to turn 50, which is great. I mean, it's crazy. Like obviously he's in the MCU, uh, and he's had he, he, Paul Bettany's always been like a cool uh, character actor for me to watch. Um, my favorite movie of his and my favorite Russell Crowe movie as well, uh, Master and Commander. Uh, those two are absolutely amazing uh, in that movie, and it's weird because Paul Bettany, like, so Master and Commander came out in 2003, this came out in 2001, and he looks years older uh, than he is. Maybe it's the lighting, maybe it's the, I, I don't know, he, he, he has the whole bleached hair thing going on in this movie, uh, and obviously Master and Commander takes place in the 1800s so um people aren't looking as good in that movie but uh and then you know he's in uh he was in the new solo movie which was also a ron howard movie uh he's in been doing a lot of mcu stuff lately but i've always just enjoyed uh paul bettany as an actor i think he's just got one of those maybe it's his face or his voice or whatever but like he's just able to something about his presence just makes a character uh kind of more interesting to me Rounding out uh, the, the cast, particularly playing jo- uh, John Nash's friend group, uh, you have Josh Lucas, who I wish was in more shit. I feel like he's only in like Home Depot commercials now. Uh, but Glory Road, American Psycho, always like Josh Lucas, uh, but yeah, he's just never, like he's had a couple of leading roles and it's never really taken off. I guess he's doing some more TV work. Uh, nowadays I see that he's on Yellowstone. Uh, I admit I haven't watched it, and I hear it's great, but... Um, Maybe I gotta maybe I gotta check it out. Um, you know, uh, but there's also uh, one. Uh, this next pair I thought was interesting. There's Adam Goldberg and Anthony Rapp, uh, round out his friend group. And Adam Goldberg. Uh, so, so they both have pretty recognizable faces. Um, Adam Goldberg uh, plays the Jewish guy in Saving Private Ryan. Uh, you know the one that gets the knife at the end. Uh, and Anthony Rapp, uh, his biggest, he's most well-known for Rent, probably. Uh, he was in the original Broadway cast, and then he was in uh, the movie itself uh, that came out. But those two guys, they actually played best friends in uh, Dazed and Confused. They're the kind of smart, like, nerdy kids who are judging everyone for going out and drinking and doing all that stuff and uh, whatever. Uh, but Dazed and Confused, we're, we're getting there. We got, we got a little ways to go through. We got some Bs, we got some Cs, we got to get there. And then Dazed and Confused, I believe, kicks off the Ds. Actually, no, Dances with Wolves does. Uh, but oh, I'm not looking forward to watching that. That's like four and a half hours long. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, just cool to uh, see those guys and recognize them. Adam Goldberg, he was also in a season of Fargo, the the first season of Fargo, which I rewatched a couple weeks ago. Loved it. Uh, forgot he was. He, I forgot he he was even in that season. And him and the, the deaf guy, uh, they have some of the most. Be- they just have some of the best scenes in the entire show. Uh, so I, w- I wish he would pop up in more shit as well. Damn, this is this is a nostalgic movie for me. I don't really have too much to say other than just like I enjoyed uh, the movie a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, I feel like over the years the movie's gotten kind of a sour reputation and Argo kind of goes through this as well 
uh, yeah, it won Best Picture and all this stuff, uh, but it's kind of got this like little asterisk on it. You know, a lot of people are complaining about the historical inaccuracies in the movie. Like supposedly, uh, John Nash had you know an affair and he was divorced and he had you know a child out of wedlock and uh, there's all the stuff about his homosexuality that got left out of the movie. I, you know, I took the stance with Argo, so I'm gonna stick by my guns here. I don't care. You know, it it doesn't make the movie worse or better. Yeah, you know, it's it's not all rainbows and butterflies, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, this is still a really good movie, and Russell Crowe's amazing in it. Ron Howard does a great job. But you know, this just stuff like this. You know, you get you can't you can't put everything in a movie like this otherwise it's too much and this is like this movie it's two hours and 20 minutes long and it's already pretty dense as it is you know you're dealing with mental illness and all this math stuff and you know the government and russia and spies and all this you know shit so there's there's a lot going on already and the more you add to it i i though yes john nash isn't portrayed in a 100 percent accurate light uh given what the story uh, is in the movie what they're trying to tell I I, I don't think it matters um, near the end it gets a little yeah yeah <laughs> uh, but uh, like, like in particular after maybe let's call it the last like 20 minutes in the movie Russell Crowe like ages starts aging rapidly and you know he's working at Princeton his you, you see his kids grow up and he's you know him and Jennifer Connelly they grow old together and all that stuff, and he give uh, when he gets the Nobel Prize, he gives this great speech about uh, how much he loves his wife, and you know every you know he wouldn't have been able to do it without her and all this stuff. But obviously, knowing what I know, it's eh, you know you take that grain that scene with a grain of salt. But that's kind of where the movie sputters off anyway. Uh, the it's really strong for about like an app so it's two hours and 15 minutes long i'd say it's really strong it, you could probably cut it down and still make a strong movie in like an hour 45 uh the last like half hour or so like once he gets older it it just, it just doesn't it, it, i don't know i lose interest i think the the peak of the movie like the apex is when russell crowe has that that allegory that uh the people he's seeing are actually illusions he notes that uh the little girl who plays Paul Bettany's niece in the movie that she never gets older even though he does by that logic she's an illusion and you know I, I think that's like the best part of the movie to me and then it starts to kind of decline after that uh, everything up until then like I said Russell Crowe kills it uh, the whole cast kills it Ron Howard does an absolutely amazing job uh, with this movie could be cut down a little bit for sure but that's neither here nor there uh, I love the I love the early scenes when he's like still in school and he's uh, trying to you know come up with this thesis and uh, he's looking for like you kind of get into that like mind you know the beautiful mind so to speak uh, and you kind of just like see how he works and how he operates the middle third of the movie uh, it's kind of a culmination of uh, his work his genius and his uh, mental illness kind of mashing together and then it all comes to that apex as i mentioned uh, earlier you know he goes into a mental hospital and he thinks that he's being chased by the russians and there's all this crazy stuff going on but uh and, and that stuff's all fine and dandy you know it's really good like i said i enjoyed watching this it just it, it the movie's a little too long for my taste 
Uh, and I want to briefly discuss about the Oscars with this movie. It did win Best Picture in 2002. Uh, it beat out nominees such as Gosford Park, In the Bedroom, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Moulin Rouge. I could see... it's e- for So looking at that list of five, it's easy to see why this won. Uh, I could the only other movie there that I could really make a case uh, for winning is uh, Fellowship of the Ring. But if you really think about it, they knew Hollywood knew that you know this was the Fellowship. Two Towers is coming out next year. Return of the King is coming out the year after that. So maybe once they realized how good these all are, they kind of just wanted to hold off until the third one. Otherwise, it would it would have swept the Oscars for three years in a row. Uh, and the Fellowships, you know, I think it's the third. I think I think it's the third best. I don't want to say worst. It's the third best of that original trilogy. Uh, Two Towers is the best, and the Return of the King uh, is comes in second for me. Uh, but just looking around here, uh, you know, other movies that were in it that year, uh, you had Black Hawk Down. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say it was better than that, but surprised it wasn't nominated. Uh, the Royal Ten Bombs definitely should be in there. Uh, Wes Anderson's uh, breakout movie. Ali, I, no, I wouldn't put Ali in there. I Am Sam, no, I wouldn't put that in there either. But, uh, well, speaking of I Am Sam, uh, Sean Penn was nominated uh, that year. It was a str- strong group of Best Actor nominees that year. Uh, you had Russell Crowe, Sean Penn, Will Smith for Ali, Tom Wilkinson for In the Bedroom, and then Denzel Washington won for Training Day. It's a toss-up for me between Denzel and Russell Crowe here. Uh, I get why Denzel won, because Russell Crowe won the year before for Gladiator, so maybe there's just Russell Crowe fatigue uh, at that point, and Denzel had uh, you know, he'd been making movies for as long as he had at that point. A couple Oscar not Well, he no, he'd already won an Oscar at that point, but um, I could be fine with either one. I think Denzel certainly deserved to win uh, for Training Day, which we'll be talking about way down the road. Uh, and then, last one I want to talk about is Best Director. Well, two more I want to talk about. Uh, Best Director... Ron Howard wins. Uh, he beats out Ridley Scott for Black Hawk Down, Robert Altman for Gosford Park, Peter Jackson for Lord of the Rings, and David Lynch for Mulholland Drive. Uh, one thing that I just thought was particularly interesting there, of the five Best Director nominees, only three of them had their movies nominated for Best Picture as well. So, And Ridley Scott, kind of in the same boat as Russell Crowe. He had Gladiator come out the year before, so maybe there's Ridley Scott fatigue. And we see this a lot. Uh, with that, with directors who win Best Picture or uh, who win Best Director, uh, their next movie, they're kind of just like, they kind of just get put in there just because it doesn't matter if it's as good or not. They just kind of get lumped in with it, and then they, you know, st- start going down from there. Uh, but no, I don't have any problems with that. I think Pete. Well, I think Peter Jackson uh, should win here. But as I mentioned before, maybe it's just Hollywood anticipating. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is going to win all these movies two years from now. Uh, and Best Supporting Actress Jennifer Connelly wins. She beats Helen Mirren and Maggie Smith from Gosford Park, Marissa Tomei for In the Bedroom, and Kate Winslet for Iris Murdoch. Uh, four really great actresses in three movies I've never heard of before, so don't really have anything to judge that on, but way to go, Jennifer Connelly. Okay, so why don't we get into the uh, Did You Knows... Uh, so we got three for you. First one, uh, John Nash visited the set and Russell Crowe said later that he had been fascinated by the way he moved his hands and he tried to do the same thing in the movie. Thought it would help him get into character. Uh, so th- this is one of like the little 
uh, idiosyncrasies that Will, uh, not Will, Russell Crowe does uh, in the movie. Uh, you know, he's constantly fidgeting, he's rubbing his eyebrow, and he, you know, he's just kind of shaking all the time. He's constantly moving, and it's just one of like the little character traits that makes it that much better. And you know, the, uh, it, it's such a contrast seeing like what Russell Crowe did the year before with Gladiator, and then he does this movie, and this was his third Oscar nomination in a row. And I think this could actually be, this might actually be his strongest performance of the three, but it's not easy to win two in a row. Um, so I don't have a problem with him losing, as I mentioned before with Denzel and everything, but he kills it in this movie, and he kills it for the next uh, couple of years. And then uh, we kind of talk about it in the American Gangster episode, which you can listen to now. Uh, but after that, it's kind of like a slow. Uh, decline. I wish Russell Crowe would come back and be a leading man because like, he did the nice guys a couple years ago and I loved it, but that's it. He's he just hasn't really popped up in much uh, since then. You know, you know who he would be great with. I want to see Russell Crowe in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino seems to love writing for Australian people, so put Russell Crowe in a Quentin movie. Uh, second, did you know? Uh, one of John Nash's sons uh, plays the orderly on the right in the scene where Nash is being dragged down the hall. Uh, so just to paint a picture here, uh, John Nash is in the middle of having uh, some kind of a mental breakdown and while he's in the mental hospital, and he's dragged away by these orderlies. And I guess one of them was John Nash's real son. Uh, so maybe that was therapeutic for him. <laughs> must have been must have been pretty amusing to watch, uh, if or just for that whole family in general. But I mean, I, I don't know. I can't even imagine having a movie made about my family, especially someone with uh, as interesting a story as John Nash. Okay, uh, last. Did you know here? Bruce Willis, Kevin Costner, John Travolta, Tom Cruise, John Cusack, Charlie Sheen, Robert Downey Jr., Nicolas Cage, Johnny Depp, Ray Fiennes. Jared Leto, Brad Pitt, Alec Baldwin, Mel Gibson, Sean Penn, Guy Pearce, Matthew Broderick, Gary Oldman, and Keanu Reeves were all considered to star as John Nash. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna go through each one, but I just wanna I'm gonna pick three who I think would have killed it, and three who I have absolutely no idea how that would have worked. Who do I think would have killed it? I think at this time Sean Penn uh, probably would have done great. Uh, you know, he obviously. Uh, he was uh, nominated for I Am Sam the same year. Early 2000s Sean Penn. We all know how good that guy was. He was on a hot streak. Uh, Johnny Depp, I think, would have really killed it in this one. This was... I don't know. He wasn't at... Uh, he hadn't done Pirates of the Caribbean yet, so he wasn't kind of like picking his roles uh, that he wanted to do. But I think he's uh, talented enough of, of an actor, especially at this point in his career, uh, that he probably would have absolutely killed it in this one. And... Gary Oldman, yeah, Gary Oldman would have killed it as well. Uh, I could probably see him being a better uh, match for uh, Ed Harris's character, um, Pritchard, who is the uh, he's like the FBI or FBI, you know, Secretary of Defense, whatever that is. The you know the guy who's dealing with the Russians uh, in the movie. I think Gary Oldman would have been great in either one of those. A uh, couple guys who absolutely would have bombed with this. Matthew Broderick, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Brad Pitt, uh, no, yeah, no, I take that back. Brad Pitt probably would have been okay, uh, but it's just so weird to think because, you know, at the time he was the hottest man in the world. Uh, Charlie Charlie Sheen would have done terrible 
uh, with the, with this movie, and I think Alec Baldwin. Yeah, Alec Baldwin. I don't think would have uh, really thrived with this one as well. He would have. It probably would have been a lot more screaming, and uh, probably would have gone on a couple of tents that he shouldn't have at uh, some point. Anyway, uh, so let's rate the movie scale of one to five hazmats. Every episode, I just kind of pick what I think of the movie and how it holds up. Uh, and I'm gonna give this one uh, three and a half hazmats. It, like I said before, it's a little too long. Uh, the subject matter, it's a, it's not the most exciting in the world. Obviously, it's math and mental illness. <laughs> so, a couple things that uh, aren't the most exciting things to watch at points. Uh, but it's very well made, very well shot. Russell Crowe, uh, again, does a great job. And, oh, and going back to the Oscars real quick, I didn't mention it, but it did win four Oscars. Uh, and it was nominated for eight. It won Oscars for Best Picture. Jennifer Connelly for Sporting Actress. Ron Howard. Uh, for Best Director, and Akiva Goldsman won for Adapted Screenplay, and it was nominated for another eight. Russell Crowe, uh, Best Editing, uh, Best Makeup, and Best Original Score. Uh, I have no problems with any of those. Like I said before, the Supporting Actress movies, didn't hear of any of them. Uh, Director, I say Peter Jackson, but I see, but I also understand why um, they would have given it to Ron Howard. This was kind of the most Oscar-friendly movie that came out that year. That's the best way I can really describe it. Uh, so, everyone, I just want to thank you all for listening again. Thank you all for everything. Uh, you know, liking us on social media. You can like us at Quarantine Mapod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, subscribing. You can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and whatnot. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. I'm, ha- I'm starting to have a lot of fun doing this. we got a, gl- a lot of cool things, a lot of cool guests uh, coming down the road. Uh, we're going to be recording um, more in advance and trying some cooler things on the next cu- uh, couple episodes here. So, Make sure you listen to those, tune in, and uh, hey, stay safe out there. Remember, don't be a hero. Stay inside and watch a movie.